0: this podcast is sponsored by position green to be an insider you can subscribe to the green insider podcast powered by e-renewable wherever you get your podcast from and please leave us a five-star rating welcome to the green insider powered by e-renewable each and every podcast host mike niemer will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space Education's important to us because it's important
1: to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer. Welcome in to another episode of the Green Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Culver, and with me as always is the CEO of E Renewable, Mike Niemer. On today's show, Mike is joined by CEO of Eden Green Technologies, Eddie Badrina. But before we jump into that conversation, let's hear from Mike's better half, Renewable COO, Anne Niemer.
0: Position Green helps companies build resilient and sustainable organizations. Position Green has a unique combination of ESG software, advisory, e learning, and assurance that drives sustainability success and empowers positive change. Visit positiongreen.com to learn
1: more. Thanks, Ann. And now here's Mike Niemer with the CEO of Eden Green Technologies, Eddie Badrina.
0: Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast Power Bay Renewable. I'm Mike Niemer, and today we have a return visitor to the show. Mr. Eddie Bedrina from CEO of Eden Green Technologies out of the Dallas area. Eddie was on with us back in August of 2022, telling us all about vertical farming. Eddie, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back, Mike. I guess I I did a a decent job where where I'm invited second time around, so looking forward to it.
0: You did do a good job, and I found it just fascinating. And, you know, our listenerships, thank you to all the listeners that are out there, We've just exploded uh, since the time you were on, so we've got some new listeners now. So before we get on to why we're on this show again to talk about the growth of Eaton Green, you guys have just been exploding, so hats off to you, and I'm excited to hear about all the details. Let's kind of catch the new listeners up into the vertical farming space. So correct me if I say any of this wrong, but you told us about one acre of vertical farming was equal to about 40 acres of traditional farming. You told us told us the uh, number of times the plant pod turns during the course of the year. Vertical farms turn about thirteen times. Traditional farms about five times. So far, am I about right?
1: Yeah, about right. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. right.
0: Okay. Then you talked about wastewater. You talked about a traditional farm wastes about nine hundred thousand gallons a year, whereas the vertical farm you only waste ninety thousand gallons a year, which is equivalent to two households. Did I get all that right?
1: That is correct.
0: Well, you know, uh, uh, as impressive as all that is, the more impressive part is if you've got, you're outside of Dallas. Yes. If I remember the premise of vertical farming, whether it's you or somebody else, you're, distri- you're close to a distribution center. You're Once that lettuce is picked, you're in that distribution center within 28, 48 hours at the very most, usually 24, and you're quicker to, quicker to market. So why don't you kind of take that piece of this story and tell everybody your story about how that lettuce grown in your facility lasts longer, tastes fresher, and how it compares to the ones that made in Arizona and California.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so the the current state of uh, I'll, I'll call it leafy greens, lettuce in particular, and and I can tell you a little about what we're growing uh, in addition to lettuce now since the last time we talked. But lettuce, for the most part, 90% of it is grown in California and Yuma, Arizona, in uh, Imperial Valley, Central Coast, right? So so really what you're talking about is, you know, an eight to $10 billion industry by some, uh, some estimates, 90% of it being uh, being very, very, uh specific to to geography. So if I'm in Dallas uh I'm eating a 1500 mile salad uh and, and if you're in Boston where my daughter is uh, she's eating a 3000 mile salad. That that to me does it does defies the any sort of there's no mental gymnastics that you can say that somehow uh that is sustainable either economically or environmentally, right? So so you, you one way to solve that is to really get really, really good with distribution, which they're working on. But the reality is you can't, the, the geography still remains the same. The other, the other way to do it is to move the farms closer to the population centers. And so that's what CEA has, has been trying to do. And I say CEA, it's controlled environment agriculture uh, is the is a, is a name for our industry. And within CEA, there's sort of two ways to solve for that. One is your flat tray greenhouses, and then two are your indoor vertical farms. And and right in the middle sits Eden Green, but I'll I'll describe the first two, right? So a flat tray greenhouse, they've been perfected by the Dutch for the past 30 years. They're literally what it sounds like. It's a flat tray, uh, usually automated, so it goes around in sort of an assembly line where the plants start as seedlings and they go around. By the time they get to the other end of the assembly line after about, call it 35, 40 days, they're, they're grown plants, right. And then they're harvested automatically. Uh, those are really, really good on the Northeast coast. <clears throat> um, they're really, they're really decent sort of, you know, in the upper, you know, in the Michigan, around the great lakes. Uh, it's very hard to grow. Once you start getting into the Southeast, into the Midwest, uh, and into the, into the West. And so, uh, that those are those are economical, but they they uh they're only great in certain areas, and two they require quite a bit of land, right? So, uh, forty acres of conventional farming is equivalent to about five acres of your flat tray greenhouse. So five acres doesn't sound like a lot, but when you start to do the economics of the land close to a population center, uh, the as we like to say the math doesn't math, right? So you so you gotta you yeah. gotta move it a little farther out. So that's the flat tray greenhouses. They use all the sunlight in the world. So that's why they're economical. On the other end, you've got these indoor vertical farms. They're usually in warehouses. They're in, you know, uh, you know, new new builds, converted office buildings, whatnot. Uh, They they are very compact. One and a half, you know, one acre of ours equals one acre of theirs. The problem is, is they don't use any sunlight. And so what you can obviously guess like, what do what do they use? They use artificial lights. Well, what do artificial lights use energy? Right. And so, you know, as it, as it pertains to a lot of your audience and probably what they're interested in is like, how much energy does it take to grow those things? And, uh, by, by my estimates, not just by mine, by others, uh, an indoor vertical farm with no sunlight, uh, will consume roughly 4 million to 5 million kilowatt hours a month to produce their greens. A one month one in month. one month. Yes, that's that's like a data center, right? Uh,
0: yeah, and to even break it down further for the listeners, if you were to see the annual bill for the average courtyard by Marriott, it's only 400,000 kwh for the year. Yeah. And he's talking about 4 million for one month.
1: For one month, right? Yeah. So there's nothing you can grow that's going to overcome the economics of that. And, and that's why you see, you, you know you want to talk about the current industry, uh, almost every single indoor vertical farm right now is in, they're either bankrupt or they're headed that way really, really quickly, right? Uh, because they, I would say, they, they really, their assumptions were cheap money, right? Everyone's assumption was cheap money until about a year ago. Uh, yeah. And then two, with that cheap money, they assumed they could eventually find some sort of profitable, you know, profitability um, or, or, you know, some sort of crop that would allow you to do that, uh, or efficiencies in terms of automation. So those really aren't working out economically. So, but what if you could combine the density of a vertical farm, the ability to cl- to locate it close to a population center, but then use all the sunlight and all the efficiencies of a flat tray greenhouse? Well, that's where, that's where we come in. So that's what we do. We are a vertical farm within a greenhouse so like a lot of people would be like okay so um so is that a lean to like you know is it sticks and bricks is it no no no? it's a greenhouse but we grow vertically instead of horizontally um, and so that's where we get our our efficiencies from
0: and so it, is it all glass walls and ceilings all the way around yes, yes. all the way around well there, well there you go that makes a big difference doesn't it yeah. makes yeah. a big so- difference
1: so you know what what the some of the things that we've discovered uh, just along the way in terms of product market fit and go to market strategy is that uh, lettuce is an eight to ten billion dollar industry, but there's a lot of competition in there, especially among CEA providers and greenhouse growers. Um, you know, butterhead romaine lettuce. Uh, it's a it's a it's definitely I would say saturated is probably a good term for it. Like if you just go to the supermarket and you look and you'll see you know, five or six types of varieties of your spring mix, your, you know, your lettuce mix uh in in branded, you know, containers that'll cost you around anywhere from four dollars to five dollars to six dollars a you know a, a container. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. So uh what we have found though, and it might be interesting to your to your listeners, is uh there is uh, there's a whole nother produce section that for various reasons uh does not have that competition and it is very very difficult to grow all in one place and that's herbs so um just just as a just as a note uh, most of the herbs volume in the united states is actually made up of just one herb it's called basil americans love their basil for for a variety of reasons right yeah and and of that basil almost 100% of it is air freighted in every single day from Hawaii or from Central or South America. Think about that. So of a a whole industry, 75% of that industry, roughly, I'll call it roughly, in terms of volume, is air freighted in every day. So what we found with basil and then a number of other herbs is we can we can actually grow them uh, really well. We can grow them all together in one facility, and then we can pack and ship and deliver all from one place. So the cost savings on that for for the distributor and for the retailer are, are, are pretty immense. And so that's that's uh, yet another I'll call it skew another product that we're going after in addition to to lettuce.
0: Well, that makes perfect sense and. You know, when you started off talking about Dallas is fifteen hundred miles from the West Coast and your daughter's three thousand miles, now you're talking Hawaii and Central America, it's even further than that until it gets to you, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, when my wife makes uh fish at home, she puts her basil on, but she grows it on our patio. Yeah. You know, and then she does it that way.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: But uh anyway, that's terrific. Well, Eddie, you and I, you know, we follow each other on LinkedIn and I saw you had a Big press release in the Dallas Morning News about a $40 million expansion. And I thought, I bet that's something had to do with the company he was could not name a yeah. year and a half ago. He said he was in talks with a retailer, but he could not disclose at that point. Well, I saw who it was in the newspaper. It's Walmart. Congratulations. Tell us about what you have going on
1: yeah so that's a, it's pretty exciting we've been working with them for about a year now um, ever since we opened up the greenhouse but really we're we're providing uh we're providing lettuce to two or three types of SKUs to them uh, but it's under it's under our distributors label it's, and so our distributor is Robinson fresh uh, they are the distribution arm of CH Robinson which is a fortune 200 logistics firm gigantic yeah. right so uh Our business model has always been to provide affordable, nutritious, local greens, right. And affordable being, being the the big emphasis on my part. Uh, like I said before, you can find a lot of fancy high end retail labeled, uh, type greens, which is great for a certain segment of society, but for the vast majority of the population, they can't afford that. And so our goal is to provide this affordable produce and, and, the folks that do it the best, among the best are, are Walmart. So it was a very, it was a great fit for us to provide this produce under a, a, a generic white label uh, in our distributor's label for, for Walmart. So if you go into Walmart, in any Walmart in Oklahoma or Texas, and you look under the Robinson Fresh label for romaine or butterhead lettuce, that's us. That so
0: is. here in Houston, I go to Walmart. I can find your lettuce in my Houston Walmart, even though you're growing it in Dallas.
1: That's correct. Walmart has chosen to distribute it all across Texas. And the great thing is we're use, we're utilizing Walmart's existing distribution chain and, and not having to do our own. And they're about as efficient as anyone on the face of the earth in terms of distribution.
0: So now when you talked to me back in August of 22, you also had a white label in whole foods and sprouts. Do you still have those going
1: on too? Uh, We have white labels in, uh, well, Robinson Fresh delivers it to a variety of retailers. Yeah. Okay.
0: Good. Good. Well, that's phenomenal. And then in our last one, we talked about, I think Greg, my co-host at that time used the baseball analogy. Sounds like we're just in the first inning, you know, and we were related to baseball because you and he had some baseball dialogue going on or something, if I remember right. And so, If we're just in the first inning in August of 22, are we even entering the second inning yet?
1: I think we are. I think we are. What you're seeing in terms of the industry is is a wave of reckoning of folks who aren't profitable, uh, people who relied on the zero interest rate policy environment, and people who just weren't working quick enough to find unit economics for their greenhouses, for their indoor farms. So... That reckoning is happening and is continuing to happen over the next 12 months. I suspect, I've seen it already, but I suspect you'll see a a bigger wave of consolidations coming uh, in the, uh, I would say in our industry, especially. So you'll see consolidations. And I think those consolidations, people will try to find some sort of economies of scale to 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 make that happen. So I would say we're in the second or third inning of this, uh, but very, very early in the ballgame, game, Right. The, i would say the other piece of that is we're just now beginning to discover other things that can be grown uh, at scale and that what the market wants we're just beginning to discover those as well. so I'm I'm super I'm bullish on the industry obviously because I'm in it but I'm bullish on the industry. I think there are going to be multiple winners and those winners will end up either specializing in certain produce or they'll band together they'll consolidate to make an, an integrated, controlled environment, ag company.
0: So if we were to look at a map of the United States, uh, the lower 48, how many Metroplex areas would there be a dot where there's some type of vertical farming type system? How many, how many of those are around the country?
1: For vertical farming? Not, not many, I would say maybe half a dozen. For greenhouses, I would say that it's a much in so much broader scope, I would say a dozen. Right. But but really not many. If if you look at the overall produce and just kind of leafy greens, herbs, berries. Yeah. Greenhouses and indoor vertical farms make up. Less than less than 3% of that. Right. So there's a long way to go.
0: A long way to go. And you're not just talking about mileage across from California to the coast, just a long way to go in general. And it's going to be, and it's going to be a steep hill. It's going to be hard, but uh, everything that's worthwhile usually is. You guys are doing great work up there at Eaton Green. You need to be so proud of yourself for being able to continue and uh, grow the way you've grown in such a short period of time, actually.
1: Thank you. You know, we, we, a couple with a couple of other, of our, of our competitors have just tried to do it the right way, which is uh, find unit economics, find profitability on a small scale, and then expand from there once we've figured out that product market fit and that differentiating factor, right? And and for the ones who did it correctly and who didn't get caught up in all the hype, uh, I I think I think there's a there's a very bright future for us.
0: Well, hats off to you. Hats off to your team. Y'all are doing a bang up job up there in Dallas, in the Dallas area. And uh, I look forward to the next time you come on the show. Next time we won't wait 16 or 17 months to get you back. We'll
1: right. get you back on sooner. That's Eddie, right. thank you
0: for your time today. Much appreciated. Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, my pleasure. Everybody, that's Eddie Bandrino, CEO of Eden Green Technologies. Join us again on The Green Insider. Have a great rest of your day.
1: Thanks again to Eddie Bedrina for being a part of the Green Insider Podcast. And thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Ron Culver, reminding you that if you are not yet a subscriber to the Green Insider Podcast, don't hesitate and become one today from wherever you receive your podcasts. And please leave us a five-star rating.
0: This podcast was sponsored by Position Green. For an introduction to our sponsor or find out how you too could be a sponsor, refer to our show notes to contact Renewable and the Green Insider Podcast.